G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. Is the, the belief or unbelief of their Jewish family worth less yeah. than a bacon sandwich? <laughs> so to them, it's, I'm a Jew, I maintain kosher laws, yeah. and I go, right on, go for it. Yeah, you know? that's a great point. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. We've been tackling the subject of kosher dietary laws given to the Jewish people in the last few programs and whether or not God has ended the requirement to fulfill them or not. If they're still in play, are they necessary for Gentile Christians to observe? And this becomes an issue for Christians, and we, we mentioned this last time, that when Christians become aware of the Jewish foundations, just how Jewish Christianity is, suddenly the question of, okay, are there things now that I'm mm. not allowed to eat or drink yep. or, you know, do I have to obey these things? And I, and I get it. Yep, they're very valid questions. They're very valid questions. Um, and, uh, you know, we looked last time at a couple of New Covenant examples, which at first glance seems to do away with the dietary laws, but then actually don't. Uh, but they are a bit ambiguous at the very least. Uh, since there's no place in Scripture that deems the dietary laws no longer necessary, it seems to me, this is just my personal view, that the dietary laws for the Jewish people, for the Jewish people, remain in perpetuity because of their very unique calling and relationship with God, especially if they're unbelieving Jews. And when I say unbelieving Jews, I mean Jews that don't believe that Jesus is their Messiah. And I'll explain what I mean. Their eyes haven't been opened yet to the truth of the Messiah, and as such, they're living according to the law as best they're able, okay? They don't have a temple. They can't perform the sacrificial requirements. So that as best they can, they are adhering to the law because they believe that that's what they have to do. Mm. I'm not going to condemn them for it. That's where they're at, okay? I'm not saying that they're correct in their unbelief. I'm not. I'm just saying that is yep. the state of reality. That's the state of play for them. And so um, they are to hold to those requirements according to the law. We need to honour and respect them. They're trying their best mm. to obey God. We need to pray that God will lift yeah, their blindness right, and come yeah. to the saving truth of Christ. But would you say that they've taken those kosher laws to unreasonable extremes? They absolutely have. Mm. Again, they've done this in order to ensure they obey God again. They have put so many fences around these kosher laws <laughs> that they've they tied themselves yeah. up in knots. But I guess their heart's really in a good place, isn't it? As you said, their heart is to try to honour God and not yes. break his law. So even though we can see, yes, it is complicated, there are lots of fences around the law, but I guess yes. they're doing it with a good intention. Yeah, they absolutely are. Look, I know Messianic Jews who believe Jesus is their Messiah. You know, they still maintain kosher laws. Mm. Now, if they wanted to go and have a BLT, they could. <laughs> yeah. You know, if they wanted bacon with their eggs in the morning, they could. They have freedom. Paul said he had mm. freedom. Yeah. But because they love their Jewish brethren, they don't want to use their liberty as an opportunity to cause their own Jewish yeah. brothers and sisters to just reject them outright and to reject Christ. Yeah. Is the, the belief or unbelief of their Jewish family worth less 
yeah. than a bacon sandwich. <laughs> so to them, it's I'm a Jew. I maintain kosher laws, yeah. and I go right on, go for it. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. But to the unbelieving Jew. Again, as I said, they, they have tied themselves up in knots by maintaining these kosher rules mm. that you don't find in Scripture, you know. And because yeah. times change and modernity just keeps unfolding, they're adding more laws all the mm. time. That's right. All yeah. the time. So, so I guess the question then is what about Gentile believers, obviously those that are coming into the faith from outside of the Jewish world. And I guess that's, in some respects, I guess, answered in Acts 15, uh, quite a big passage actually, uh, the Jerusalem Council uh, as it's known. But in the first couple of verses it says, Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brothers, Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had a heated argument and debate with them, the brothers determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Yeah, this was a massive issue for the early church. Now, remember that the Jewish people had been taught from birth, we've mentioned this before, that throughout all their generations, going all the way back to Moses, several thousand years at this stage, that they had to be circumcised or they would be cut off from their people and that they couldn't be saved. They couldn't be part of God's God's people. Mm. The very thought that anyone coming to God for salvation without this distinctive requirement was like abhorrent to them. Mm. They could not accept it. Now, this doesn't mean these Jewish men were wicked or evil. I know Paul gets very cranky with them, and you know, those <laughs> Judaizers, you know. He gets cranky with them, but if you understand their mindset and their training, they're mm. thinking, oh, we want the Gentiles to be saved. Yes. Let's get them saved. Let's just go through these rituals mm-hmm. first and they'll be saved. Yeah. And Paul's going, no, 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 you've missed it. You've yeah. missed the point. Okay, so they weren't wicked. They really were trying to do the right thing. And Paul and Barnabas, I mean, they had been ministering to the Gentiles and they saw them coming to faith in amazing ways. God was touching them in exactly the same way that God had touched the Jewish people who had come to faith in Jesus. They'd they think There's no distinction here. Mm. They could see it with their own eyes. And they were Pharisees who had come to faith in Christ. Yeah. They were going, I just, I can't, I can't, my, my, my brain doesn't stretch that far. I can't <laughs> see how this is the case. So they thought, okay, off to Jerusalem we go. We're going to seek the counsel of the apostles and the elders of the church. And at that time in Jerusalem, the leader of the church was James, Jesus' half-brother. So that's right. He was uh, making some pretty big decisions he for was. the future of the church, really. Uh, we read more about this in verses 4 and 5 of Acts 15, where it says, When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were received by the church, the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done for them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying it's necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to keep the law of Moses. And I love the fact that there were Pharisees who mm. believed in Jesus. Yeah. And their fastidiousness for the law was such that they, would, they were desperate that these Gentiles come to a proper saving faith. Mm. Just not realizing that the particular laws that God had imposed in perpetuity on the Jewish people wasn't necessarily what he was going to impose on the Gentile world. And he was proving that he was not making a distinction here by accepting both. Mm. All right? Yeah. So this tells you an awful lot about... It wasn't. I don't think it was a fracture in their relationship, even though Scripture says they had heated debate. Mm. But it was about coming to terms with how Jesus had busted down this dividing wall, and he was treating them exactly the same, regardless of the rules that they were or weren't keeping. So we read more about this in Acts 15, verse 6, where it says, The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. 
After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Since this is the case, why are you putting God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our forefathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they are also. All the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. There's a couple of lines in that whole passage that's just breathtaking to me. I mean, Peter stands up and he uses words like that God made no distinction between us and them, that's Jews and Gentiles, that he was cleansing their hearts through faith, that is the Gentiles. And he says, why are you putting God to the test? Mm. I mean... That should have been a massive shock, and I think it was, because at the end, they're all silent. They go, whoops. (laughs) At Pentecost, remember how the believers, all Jews at the time, were all in the upper room. They'd all kept kosher. They had obeyed all of the laws. They maintained the Sabbath. The men were all circumcised. They were obedient to the law. Mm. These were all a Jewish community, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they got to speak in other languages. And we know that it was miraculous, because people from the countries where those languages were spoken... Mm heard the gospel in their own languages. These are Jews living in the diaspora. And then they heard the gospel. Well, miracle of miracles, because God did exactly the same thing when he poured out the Holy Spirit on Mm. Gentile communities who weren't circumcised, who didn't eat kosher and weren't maintaining the Sabbath. Yeah, so true. It's just mind-blowing. It is. And so by doing so, God demonstrated through this action, that he was accepting the whole world, that there was no us and them, it was everyone together, all because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Absolutely, and that was the mechanism for breaking down that dividing wall that divided Jew from Gentile. Mm. That was now gone. Yeah. And Jesus was this the very cement, you could say, that brought Jew and Gentile together. Some maintaining the laws that were historically belonging to their people because of the distinct relationship they had with God, and the Gentile world who weren't given those laws but are now accepted because of Jesus Christ. Let's Mm. not say the cement. It was his blood that actually brought them together. So really powerful stuff. Well, in the next program, we're going to see what the conclusion was that the Jerusalem Council came to after this debate. We'll do that next time on Foundation. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.